Genesis chapter 42. This is Pastor Oetla Simangane thanking you for joining us as we journey through the word of the Lord. Genesis 42 verse 1. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look upon one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Close your eyes with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful today that in you we always have a way of escape. We are so grateful that you have a message for us today that is relevant to each of us in different ways. And we pray that you may speak and that your Holy Spirit would minister to us for we ask in Jesus name. Amen. Amen, amen and amen. My brother and my sister, sons and daughters of the living God. For that is who we are. We are the seed of Abraham. Let's talk today about the promise of the seed. Jacob here is worried about his seed. You can tell when he says to them go get corn. Why? So that we may live and not die. He is worried about his seed and for good reason. The question of a seed was most paramount in the covenant. Now yesterday we said that Joseph was in the wrong land. He was not in the promised land as it were he was in the wrong house and today we want to talk about seed for the covenant often spoke about these two things land and seed God promised Abraham seed a child to make him fruitful to make him a nation this doesn't really begin with Abraham in Genesis 5 we learn these are the generations of Adam and so it was the first blessing to Adam be fruitful and multiply that was the promise of seed These are the generations of Adam. This is an important phrase by the way in the book of Genesis. And after he gives this, the line of Seth is is the is is reflected as the chosen line. And so the question of seed also has to do with some sort of direction within and among the many children. So among the children there is one that is chosen and in chapter 5 we find that Seth's line is 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 the chosen line. In chapter 6 verse 9 we learn these are the generations of Noah. And then the line of Shem is the chosen line and that line takes us to chapter 11. And there we find these are the generations of Terah. And then we are introduced to Abraham. Promised seed. Chapter 25 Verse 12, these are the generations of Ishmael. But wait, that is not the seed of promise, that is not the child of promise. Chapter 25, verse 19, these are the generations of Isaac. And so we are done with Ishmael. These are the generations of Isaac. And we go now through Isaac's story and Isaac's line. The promised child, the promised seed, Isaac. Chapter 36, these are the generations of Esau. But yet again, wait. You know the story by now Esau comes out first but is not it is not Esau that has the birthright and he forfeited his birthright it was Jacob and so we come to the last these are the generations there's only one more these are the generations line in the book of Genesis and that is found in chapter 
These are the generations of Jacob. Now the question. The question we will be asking concerning the seed of Jacob is that which of the children of Jacob will be the seed of promise, the inheriting, the one that inherits the birthright, the covenant of Abraham, right? The covenant of promise. Now immediately after saying these are the generations of Jacob, we get into the story of Joseph. Jacob hoped it was Joseph. His treatment of him tells us. But his hopes are crushed when he receives the report that Joseph is dead. Now you and I, the reader, know that this is not true. He is alive. His brothers have lied. And because we know the dream, we are rooting for Joseph to inherit the covenantal promise. But at this point, it is still an open question. And so now the question has to do with seed. One, who is the seed that shall inherit this covenantal promise, but also will the seed survive? That is the concern of Jacob. As the brothers come to Joseph, we ask among God's children, among Jacob's children, who will inherit the covenantal promise? Will it be Reuben? Will it be Joseph? Will it be another? And if another, who? That is what the rest of the book of Genesis answers. And so, get into this journey with me, beloved. It is an exciting journey. As we now look at the children of Israel, Jacob is reintroduced into the narrative in this chapter. And as he sends his brothers, Joseph's brothers, with the grave concern that all his seed does not die, and with the covenantal promise coming to an end if they die, he says, go get food so that we may live and not die. If we all die, the covenantal promise comes to an end and the nation promised does not arrive. The promised land is not realized. What they did not know is that on the other side, God had made a provision for the vision. On the other side, God was working out of sight. God was working to preserve. When we are afraid, beloved, remember that God already has made a plan, that God has already made a solution, provided a way of escape, even if we are not aware of it, even if we don't see it, even if you can't see what God is doing, know that he is always working on our behalf. The one they wanted to die will bring them life. And in a very fascinating way, they had chased him away only for that plan to be God's provision to save them. Chapter 41, verse 55. When all Egypt began to fill the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Remember, Joseph had given the dream. Joseph had interpreted the dream. Joseph had made a recommendation of what must be done and that a man must be chosen who can manage that recommendation. And the answer came, Joseph, we can't think of another. The man is you. Seven years of plenty has passed. Now the famine has arrived. Pharaoh points the people to Joseph. And indeed, at this point, Joseph has done what needed to be done. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and he sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world, listen to this, came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. 
Now comes chapter 42. When Jacob heard and learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us, so that we may live and not die. Don't you just love it when things work out? Don't you just love it when all things work together for good? And here we see God's plan coming together. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Now this, beloved, is the dream that Joseph had. Remember we said the dream was not about Pharaoh. It was about the house of Israel. It was about Jacob's children. It was about Joseph's brothers. The brothers bowed down to him. And, the verse, and then verse 9 says, it confirms it. Then Joseph remembered his dream about them. And so, beloved, what we said in the previous chapter is affirmed here because Joseph himself says he remembered his dream about them. The dream was about them. It was about the brothers. Now we can see the dream coming to fruition, but there is drama that awaits. The dream is about his brothers, but he is not sure about his brothers. The dreams were not meant for Egypt, but for Israel. It was not meant for Pharaoh, but for Jacob. Joseph remembered the dream about them, but what now? What must Joseph do because these were brothers that had sold him? Let the drama begin. Joseph tries them. He tests them. He begins his test by accusing them of being spies. As they defend themselves, they insist that they have done, they have come for food and for nothing else. And in their own defense, they tell their story. They open up, your servants were twelve brothers, the sons of one man, a man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. Joseph then presses harder. He puts them in prison with the condition that they will need to go and get the younger brother. And he keeps them there for three days. After three days, he says, do this and you will leave, for I fear God. If you are honest men, so he wants to check, are these honest men? He says, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back to your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. Joseph had recognized them. They had not recognized him. And so he tests their characters. Are these the same brothers that betrayed him? Is the seed of Jacob unchanged? Are they still the murderous liars who he parted with? The ones who lied about him and tried to kill him and sold him? Are these the brothers that hated him because he was the special child? Have they changed? The brothers say to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we could not listen. We would not listen. That's why this distress has now come on us. Guilt strikes cold on the brothers. And then Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. This is a conversation they are having among themselves. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them. Since he was using an interpreter, Joseph 
played the game well. He was an Egyptian in their eyes. Joseph keeps Simeon and then he sends the other brothers off. But in their bags, he puts the silver they used to pack in their bags. And so the coins they used to pay, he puts it back into their bags. And they report the events to their father Jacob. The man who is Lord over the land spoke harshly to us, and he treated us through as though we were spying on the land. They are reporting to their father. The man who is Lord over the land there was so different. Never in their wildest dreams could they ever think that this was the boy that they had sold. They also told Jacob the test that the man had given. That man that is Lord over there. Their fear grows when they open their bags after telling the story and they find silver in all of their bags. They were frightened. They could see death. They could see the end. Jacob, their father, imagined the worst. When he sent them out to get food, he said, so that we do not die. But now listen to his words. You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon now is no more. You left him there, and is as good as dead now. And to make things worse, now you want to take Benjamin? Everything is against me, Jacob says. Jacob did not understand the power of his God when he works to fulfill his covenant promises. The guilt that Joseph's brothers carried, the fear that gripped Jacob's heart, is understandable. Many of us have made mistakes, and we only fear when our sins will catch up with us. When will our sins catch up with us? This is the nature of sin. We still And we keep looking over our shoulder. When will we be caught? We lie and you keep a track of your lies and you keep making one lie after another. You have to keep track of those lies. When will they catch up with you? You cheat and you commit adultery and when the periods do not come, you wonder if it has caught up with you. When you start to feel sick, you wonder if you have caught a disease and what disease it is. The brothers remembered the great evil they had done. At this moment, it feels as though their sins are catching up to them. They had always known that they would reap what they saw. But beloved, worrying about whether your sins catch up to you is not quite repentance. Guilt is an important part of the process when you feel sorry for what you have done. But that is not the end of the process. The question is, have you changed? That is repentance, when you turn around. And so that is the open question that lies before Joseph. He wants to know, have my brothers changed? Their father, on the other hand, was worried about whether it had all ended with him. The covenant promise that passed on from Abraham to Isaac and that was passed on to him from Isaac. Does it end with me? Do all my children die? Will God be faithful to his covenant? Will the seed be preserved? Allow me to say, beloved, we serve a faithful God. He is faithful. And he who made the promise will keep it and will see to it that it is fulfilled. That is the story that I wish for us to see as we come to the end of the book of Genesis, that God is faithful. And even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Close your eyes with me as we pray. Father in heaven, We are so grateful as the questions are asked about whether or not the boys 
that became men had changed. The questions about whether this seed shall be able to multiply or whether it ends with Jacob and his children. And in all of the tension that lies in this moment, Father, we thank you that we know that the God who made the promise is faithful. And we too, like Jacob, are worried. Sometimes we have no food in our cupboards and we wonder, will we die? We wonder, will we have anything to eat? But I pray, dear Father, that we would learn that you always make provisions for your children. I pray that your faithful hand will be evident in our lives. I pray that even when we can't see your hand working, may we come in the end to know that the God whom we have trusted is a God that is able to make a plan years in advance. And so with Joseph, Joseph was your plan made years in advance to preserve Jacob and the house of Israel. And we want to pray that this faith may reside in us now and forevermore, for we ask in Jesus' name, Amen.